Praise God. Praise God. We'll get your Bibles out this morning if you brought them with you. If you didn't, we're going to put some of these verses up on the screen for you. Today, for the time that we have left, I want to share with you uh, the final message in this series, 10,000 Reasons. Let me just say thank you so much, Harry and Deb, for that song. Wow, it's beautiful. Amen. Amen. The, the prayer request was mentioned earlier, uh, just so you know, we don't have any further details, uh, for Don Ream than that, uh, he went to the hospital this weekend with some chest pains. And so, uh, Cheryl sent us a message this morning and said, please keep him in your prayers. Uh, they're gonna keep him for observation through, uh, tomorrow. So, we appreciate you praying for Don. And, uh, appreciate you praying for me. I'm just gonna muscle through a little bit of a head cold this morning. But uh, that's what happens when you get all the extended family and cousins and everybody together, you know, swapping germs and that and being held up on a plane for seven and a half hours. <laughs> you know, it's unescapable. <laughs> but I want to get into this word with you today. And, and I just want to reiterate to you what my hope has been for this whole series. So if, if you're just going to get one message out of the whole series, you picked a good one because I want to tell you, here's the hope for all that we've said and, and all that we've talked about in this series, 10,000 Reasons. My hope is that you would see the goodness of God like never before. That your perspective on God's faithfulness, on His love, on His kindness towards you uh, would be expanded. That thanksgiving itself would become more than an expression of, of an emotion and that it would certainly become more than a holiday or a tradition. But that it would become the lens that we look at life through. That we are a thankful people and that everything that we do becomes filtered through praise. That, that's my desire for my life. <clears throat> it's my hope for you in your life. That everything that you do is filtered through praise. And it should be because everything that you face is filtered through the hand of God. Think about that reality for a moment. Everything you face, good and bad, is first Father filtered. Now, some of you, I know you've dealt with some bad stuff, and, I, and so I don't know how that, that truth sits with you. But if I could just, without turning to Scripture, just refer you to the story of Job. And whenever we think of a person who went through some bad stuff, we think about Job. I mean, his whole family died in a day. He lost his house. He lost the farm. He lost his livestock. Anything that could go bad went bad. And then after he responded to that with praise to God, then the enemy attacked his physical health. He got sick. He got boils on his skin. His friends turned on him. His own wife said, you know what you need to do, Job? You just need to curse God and die. How many of you know that's a bad day? But the reality that gives me comfort is when I go to the very beginning of the book of Job and I look at the first chapter, I see a conversation that took place in the heavenlies where Satan himself comes to the throne of God and God says... Have you considered my servant Job? How he loves me. How he follows me with all of his heart. And even though what Job faced seems impossible and it was difficult, the reality is it was first father filtered before it got down to his level. There's a story similar to it in the New Testament where Jesus says to Peter, 
one of his disciples. He says, Satan has asked to sift you. In other words, Jesus is saying, Peter, you're about to go through a real test. You're going to go through a lot of stuff. It's about to get really tough for you. But if you read between the lines, you're hearing Jesus say, listen, before the devil could attack your life, before he could attack your faith, before he could tempt you to deny me three times, he had to get permission. Satan has asked to sift you. Everything that you face in your life is father filtered. And that's why everything in your life ought to be looked at from a perspective of praise. No matter what you're going through. As your pastor, I want the DNA of this church to be, to have the pigment of praise. I, I, I want it to be coloring everything that we do. That Thanksgiving is just the way that we are. It's what we do. Because the way I see it, God is good. All the time. And all the time, God is good. He really is. He's good all the time. And so whatever we're facing, even if it doesn't look good in the moment, we can give God praise in the midst of it. I want to challenge you today to have a perpetual perspective of praise, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, to be able to just know that God is good and to trust God. Here's the thing I've discovered about God. He always surprises me with His goodness. Is that true for anybody else? Has God amazed you? Is grace still amazing sometimes? Is it commonplace or is it still amazing grace? God astounds me with His goodness, with the various dimensions of the color of His goodness that shine on my life. It amazes me. But listen, I don't want my praise to amaze Him. I don't want it to surprise Him. I don't want my response of thankfulness to to shock God. In fact, the opposite is true. I want to be a predictable praiser. I want God, I want it to be very predictable. I want God to know that whatever He brings my way, there, there's, there's a, there's a given response. There's a way that I'm gonna respond in that moment to whatever we're facing. We're gonna respond with praise. And I wanna tell you this morning, that is the exact thing that the Apostle Paul called the church to do. I know I haven't told you where to turn in your Bible yet, but let me just read a verse to you. In 1 Thessalonians, Chapter 5. We're going to go to Psalm 34 in a moment. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul tells the church, this is what you ought to do. He says in verse 16 through 18, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You want to know what God's will for your life is? Start right here. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus, that you rejoice in the Lord always, that you pray continually, that you give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you. It's God's will for my life. And in all circumstances, I give thanks. Now notice, and I'm glad that he didn't say, give thanks for all circumstances. Because that would just be crazy. Come on. He didn't say give thanks for all circumstances. There's plenty of things that have happened in my life, and I know have happened in yours, that we're not thankful for. So this is not some uh, blind optimism. This is not just walking through life with your head in the clouds. Que sera, sera, everything will be that will be. No, this is a reality that knows there are good times and bad times. There are things that I am not thankful for. But in those things, I can give thanks. 
Why? Because it's father filtered. Because I know that he's working all things together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Romans 8.28 And so because it's father filtered in all circumstances not for all circumstances but in all circumstances we can give God praise. That's the kind of person that King David wanted to be. I want to look at one verse this morning, the first verse out of Psalm 34. But I want you to understand uh, the, the heart of the man who penned these words. David had determined to be a person who would give God praise. And in Psalm 34, he makes this incredible statement, just one verse that I want to extract out of the pages of God's Word, that sets the high bar for praise. I mean, he sets the bar so high. And here's my hope today. Here's the challenge. That you would make it your personal standard. That you would see the high bar of praise that David set for his own life in the midst of his own difficult circumstances. And you would say, that's what I'm striving for too. That's what I want to do. That's the kind of person I want to be. I want to be a predictable praiser of God, no matter what I'm facing, because I believe that in all things, God works. And so in all things, I'll give him praise. Let me give you the verse. Psalm 34, verse 1. I love this verse. I will bless the Lord at all times. Can we just read this out loud? We don't do this enough in our church. Let's read this out loud. Let's start from the top one more time. We'll give it a shot. Are you ready? Here we go. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Didn't that just feel good? Last week, as I mentioned earlier, I had the opportunity to worship with five to six hundred Roma believers in Sabinov, Slovakia. And if you've ever seen the 1965 film, The Shop on Main Street, then you've seen Sabinov. It was a movie that was filmed there about uh, a Christian man who lived there and befriended a Jewish shop owner during the era of the World, uh, World War II as uh, Hitler's regime began to come in and, and take the, the Jews away. Uh, being in that world for a week and, and seeing all of the communist housing and, and seeing all of the uh, the things that just remind us of that time in history, it caused me to think about another story of another woman who experienced firsthand the horrors of the Holocaust. And many of you are familiar with this woman. Maybe you've even read some of her books. But her name is Corrie Ten Boom. Corey and her family were some of those who were brave enough to hide the Jews during the Nazi invasion of the Netherlands. They were hiding Jews in their house to protect them from being extracted and taken to the concentration camps. But when Nazi spies discovered their secret room, the entire family was arrested. Corey and her siblings and her parents and even her grandfather were arrested. And Corey ended up at Ravensbrück, a concentration camp specifically for women. If you know her name and her story, and I know her name and her story, it's not because she survived the, the atrocities of Ravensbrook, the mistreatment and the inhumane conditions. That's not why we know her name, because there are plenty of people who survived that we don't know about. But it's because she did more than survive. That's why we know the name Corey Ten Boom. 
I want you to grab a hold of something this morning, and it's this, that she was not shattered by her experience. Instead, she was shaped by it. You may have faced some difficult things in your life that looked like they would shatter you, but I want you to know God intended those things to shape you. He allowed those things. He allowed them to come through the Father filter, not to break you, but to mold you and to make you into the person that He has purposed you to be. Corey Ten Boom wasn't shattered by her experience. She was shaped by it. And after her miraculous release from Ravensbrook, she shared her story with audiences all over the world. Often while she was speaking, in front of groups like this, she would, she would look down while she was speaking. But she wasn't looking down at her notes. In fact, what she was doing while she was talking about her story and God's faithfulness and God's provision, while she was communicating her testimony, she was looking down and she was doing needlepoint. Anybody ever done needlepoint before? She's doing needlepoint. And oftentimes when, when she would get to the end of her speaking, she would use it as an illustration. She would hold up the backside of whatever she was working on and you'd just see the tangled web of, of thread. And she would say to the audience, this is what our life looks like from our vantage point. In the, the stuff that you're dealing with, in the things that you're trying to work out, this is the chaos that it looks like. But then she would, she would turn that work around and she would show the beautiful tapestry that she had created. And she would say, but one day we're going to have the opportunity to see it from God's vantage point. One day we're going to have the opportunity to see what the all things were really about when Paul said, in all things we know that God works together for the good. We don't understand how or why or what he's doing with the tangled mess of our lives sometimes, but the reality is we can be a a praiser all the time. And I know that's bad English, but it's good theology. You can be a person of praise in any circumstance that you're facing because you know you know that God is working for your good. A couple of weeks ago, I shared a story out of Genesis uh, here about a young man named Joseph. God took what looked like a horrible situation in Joseph's life and he, he turned it for good. Joseph had the opportunity when he was 17 years old to get a picture through a dream of what his destiny was, of what God had in mind for him. He had the opportunity to see what God would do, but for the next 17 years, he had to look at the backside of the needlepoint. It didn't make sense, the way God was doing it, the, the struggles that he went through, the imprisonment, the, uh, the false accusation, the, the betrayal by his family, all the things that he dealt with. The hardships didn't make sense in his life. But in Genesis 50 and verse 20, and we looked at that verse a couple of weeks ago, he was able to say that what you meant for evil, what others meant for harm, God intended for good, for the saving of many people. He went through a difficult season, but yet he saw God's favor and faithfulness in his life. In fact, there was a moment in Joseph's story when he tried to use his own ingenuity and his own gifting to manipulate the circumstances. Joseph had been in prison. He had been forgotten. But one day, Pharaoh's butler and baker were thrown in the same prison. And while they were there doing time, 
they both woke up in the middle of the night and had had a dream that scared them. And Joseph, who God had given the gift of interpreting dreams, explained that dream for them. And both of those dreams came true. But Joseph, in that moment, tried to seize the opportunity to manipulate the circumstances and use the gift that God had given him to get him out of the prison. He told both of them, when you get out of here, don't forget about me. And it was a lesson, a hard lesson, that Joseph had to learn. Because God allowed both of those men to forget about him. And he spent another two years in that prison waiting for the timing of the Lord to work out. Now David had a similar situation, but almost the very opposite happened. David's situation was that he also got a vision of the plan and purpose of God, not by way of a dream, but by way of an anointing from the prophet Samuel. He came and anointed David. And there was no 17 years of waiting, almost instantly, in 1 Samuel 17. The Bible says that after he had been anointed, right after that, the Bible says that King Saul was struggling with an evil spirit and bouts of depression. And so they contracted David, this little shepherd boy, to come and be the personal salter to the king. So here's a young man who gets anointed for ministry, and immediately he goes out of obscurity in the fields with the sheep to being the psalmist for the king of Israel. It's not just a couple paragraphs later that David finds himself on the battlefield with Goliath. And whether you've been in church before or not, you know how that story turned out. David slays a giant. He takes down Goliath. And the Bible says the women came into the streets and they began to sing a song. Saul has slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands. Here's a young man who's gone from obscurity to the status of being a national hero literally overnight and David's story is so different than Joseph's and yet David chose to have an attitude of praise and thanksgiving regardless of the good just as much as Joseph did regardless of the bad in 1 Samuel chapter 21, and I just want to give you some backstory for this psalm that David wrote. It wasn't all good for David. In fact, when King Saul heard the women singing that song, jealousy entered his heart. And that day that enemy, uh, that, that David became a hero, he also became the enemy of the king. And Saul had it out for David. And it began a long season of hide and seek with the king of Israel and his armies. And at one time, in 1 Samuel chapter 21, David was running for his life. And the Bible says that he was afraid that the Philistines would avenge their fallen hero, Goliath. And so David was there with the Philistine people. He was in their camp. And all of a sudden, fear grips his heart. And he He realizes, these people are going to turn on me. These people are going to kill me. They're going to avenge Goliath's blood today. And David does something that's just so crazy. He actually begins to pretend to be insane. 
The Bible says in 1 Samuel 21 that David starts clawing at the gate. He starts foaming at the mouth. I mean, he's acting crazy. He, he's, he's doing his, his very best to convince them that he has lost his mind and that he is insane. And the crazy thing about the story is it actually worked. The king saw David and said, man, I got enough crazy people to deal with. Get him out of here. And David thought, like Joseph wanted to in the prison, David thought that in his own ingenuity, he had manipulated the circumstances. That I, I figured this out. I, I, I dodged a bullet here. I, I know how to, to use my skills and my talents and my abilities, and I know how to make things work. But later, David realized that it wasn't his acting that got him out of trouble. It was the hand of God. It was the provision of the Lord to keep him and protect him. And it was out of that experience that he wrote these words in Psalm 34. It was when David realized that it's the goodness of God that has kept me. It wasn't my own ability. It wasn't my my skill. It was God's safety and protection that kept me. And out of that experience, he wrote these words, I will bless the Lord. At all times, His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Now listen, this morning, I don't know what your story looks like. Maybe you're on the the side like Joseph where you've tried and failed. And nothing that you can do can change the circumstances. I'm going to tell you that's a place where you can cry out, I will Bless the Lord at all times. And His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Because you can trust that God will work for you. Just as sure as He did for Joseph. But maybe even a more dangerous place to be is the place that David was in. Those that feel like they've got it together. Those that think they know how to work the system. Those that see and foresee the problems coming down the pike. And they make the right moves. They make the right calculated adjustments. And they continue to move along on their own strength and on their own abilities. Not recognizing that it's the hand of God, His goodness in your life. Helping you and you leading you all the way. David came to the realization and he said, God, I will bless your name at all times. And I want to just challenge you today to take this little statement. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And to let it become the matrix of your life. Whatever situation you're facing, whatever's going on, to be able to say, in this moment, in this situation, I will bless the Lord. Let me just tell you this morning, I is a personal commitment. I will bless the Lord. Nobody can give God praise for you. If you sat around the Thanksgiving table this week with somebody that was disgruntled, you know that's true. (laughs) People aren't thankful just because you prepared a nice meal because you carved the turkey. That's not enough reason for people to be thankful. You have to choose gratitude. You have to choose to take a posture of thanksgiving. It's personal. I will bless the Lord. Nobody can do that for you. You've got to make up your own mind. But I want to tell you this morning, there is something powerful about a personal commitment to keep a heart 
of praise. A personal commitment. I'm, I'm amazed at, at Joseph's story and how if, if you go back and read that story, time after time he was done wrong. His brother sold him into slavery. Potiphar's wife falsely accused him. He was left in the prison. Over and over again things went wrong and yet he chose to praise God and say, God intended what you meant for evil for my good. He dealt with the slander. He dealt with the betrayal. All of it. The loneliness. Even the promotion didn't go to his head. He said God intended it all for good. Somebody here needs to remember this today. The heartache that you're facing. The experiences that you had. They're not meant to shatter you. They're meant to shape you. I sensed as I was praying about this service that you may be here today and you feel like you're in a life Shattering situation. This is, it's just too much. It's, not, it's irreconcilable. There's no recovery. There's no coming back from this. I want to tell you this morning. Those experiences are not to shatter you. God will use them to shape you. God is so good. He's so faithful. He sees your worst setback as a setup for your greatest comeback. God wants to do something in your life. But what you have control of is your posture of praise. Are you going to count it all joy? Are you going to, in all things, at all times, give God praise? Or are you going to begin to turn to your own ingenuity? David had, David had his moment. He had his moment to use his gifts and his abilities to try to work things out for himself. I want to tell you, The truth is, the blessing of God can complicate your life as much as sin can. Now, we know that sin complicates our lives, but when God is good, that can complicate your life too. And God was so good, so quickly, to David, that he could have messed it up. He could have he could have gotten a wrong attitude about all of it. In fact, there were people that surrounded David that that tried to encourage an attitude of entitlement instead of praise. They said, David, you're, you're the heir to the throne. Samuel has anointed you. God has forsaken Saul. There was a moment where David was hiding from Saul in a cave. And Saul came into that very cave, the Bible says, to relieve himself. Now, I don't know what he was doing, taking a nap or something else. But you can use your imagination. He was in a cave relieving himself. And David was right there hiding in the dark. And the men with him said, go up and take his life. This is your moment. This is your moment to get what's coming to you. God said you could have it. Go take it, David. And David got so close to Saul that he literally cut the hem of his robe off. He didn't take his life. But after Saul left and he went across the valley to the other side, David came out and he hollered to him and he showed him what he had in his hand. He let him know he could have taken his life And what I love about that story is in that moment, David felt guilty for what he had done. He didn't kill Saul. He didn't take what God had said was his. But he just came so close that he he flirted with the idea of not trusting God to provide. He tried to make his own way for just a moment. And the reality is, if if you'll stay humbly grateful... You will never have to wrestle out of God's hand what He wants to give you. 
There are some people that are wrestling with God for the blessing that He's intended for you. But because it's not God's time, because it's not the moment that God wants to release it, all we really need to do is maintain a posture of praise. All we really need to do is be willing to say, God, I I trust you. God, I I bless you. God, I praise you. I'm going to choose to put praise in my mouth. I'm not going to have a spirit of entitlement that says, God, I deserve this. I earned this. This is, you should do this for me. But an attitude that says, God, even if you don't, even if you never come through the way that I'm asking you to, I will bless the Lord at all times. And His praise will continually be in my mouth. A spirit of entitlement tries to pry open the hand of God. But a person of praise just seeks His face and trusts that while we seek His face, He's going to extend his hand. He's going to give you every provision that you need. He's going to pour out blessing in your life. But you have to make up your mind. I will bless the Lord. That's purposeful. It's not just personal. It's purposeful. He said, I will. I will bless the Lord. I just tell you this morning, everyone here has a free will. Every one of us. We have a choice to do what we want to do. And you can make whoever you want the object of your worship. Whoever you want. Gratitude is a choice. It's an attitude that we choose to have. The Bible says in Philippians 2, 5, let your attitude be the same as that of Christ Jesus. You can choose to be grateful. When David said, I will bless the Lord, he was saying that in spite of his feelings, not because he felt good. You go on and read the rest of Psalm 34. He talks about how the Lord delivered him out of the snare. He talked about how God was faithful to him. Hear me today. Thankfulness is not an emotion. It's a mindset. It's a choice. I will be thankful. I will choose in the middle of this to bless God. It's a mindset. And your mindset is determined by what you set your mind on. That's why the Bible says in in Colossians chapter 3, it says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Set your mind on things above. Why? Because what you set your mind on is so important. What you set your mind on determines your mindset. The Bible says this, James 1, consider it pure Joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. That sounds so un-American. Consider it joy when you face trials of any kind. How in the world are we supposed to consider it joy when we face trials? James, who wrote this, understood what Paul understood. That God uses all things to work together for our good. Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, and he said this, he said, I rejoice even in my chains. He was a prisoner, falsely accused. And the reason he said I can rejoice even in my chains is because he understood that God was using his imprisonment to advance the gospel. There was a constant rotation of guard duty. Those men had to sit shackled to him for four hours and hear him preach to them. He said, hey, the whole, the whole Roman guard has heard the gospel. Praise the name of Jesus. Even my chains are being used to advance the gospel. 
Choosing an act of praise to God is one thing. But being able to react to circumstances and praise to God is a whole other thing. See, a lot of us, we come here and we praise God. And that's a choice that we made. We got up this morning. We came to God's house. And, and that's good. And it honors God. But that's not half as hard acting in praise as it is reacting in praise. Let me say it like this. You might not be responsible for what happens in your life. But you are Response-able. You have the opportunity in every moment to give God praise. You have the opportunity to respond to what happens in your life with gratitude and sincerity of heart because you believe that God is going to move for your good. David himself couldn't control the circumstances. He thought he could, but he found out he couldn't. But he said, you know what? I, I'm going to make up my mind to bless God. I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord. Let me share one more thing with you quickly. He said, I, that's personal. I will. I will. That's purposeful. I will bless. That's praise. All this month, my goal has just been to challenge you to choose praise. You know, you do have options. We all have options. We don't have to praise God. He doesn't bind us to that. The Bible does say one day every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. But that day hasn't come yet. We still have options. But my hope is that you would choose praise rather than choosing to complain. Rather than choosing to be the victim or choosing to be angry. Just consider what would happen this morning if you if you chose to say, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all of his benefits. Bless his holy name. What would happen if you just made up your mind today to say, God, I'm going to sing like never before. As we sang earlier. O my soul. And worship his holy name. We're blessed today. We're blessed today. You've got 10,000 reasons to bless God today. If you woke up this morning with more health than illness You're more blessed than the million who will not survive this week. If you've never experienced the danger of battle, the loneliness of imprisonment, the agony of torture, or the pangs of starvation, you're better off than 500 million people in the world today. If you can attend this church service, or even if you're going to choose not to attend the church service, without fear of harassment, arrest, torture, or death, you're more blessed than 3 billion people in the world today. If you have food in your refrigerator, clothes on your back, a roof overhead, and a place to sleep, you are richer than 75% of this world. If you have money in the bank, or in your wallet, or spare chains in a dish, or between your couch cushions somewhere, you rank among the top 8% of the world's wealthy. If you can read... You're more blessed than over 2 billion people in the world who cannot read at all. I'm not saying you don't have trouble. I'm not saying you don't have real genuine problems. I'm just saying that when we choose to praise God, it puts it in perspective. It puts it in perspective. Amen.
I wish you could see what I saw this last week. We are so blessed. A psychologist, Abraham Maslov, said, All you have to do is go to the hospital and hear all the simple blessings that people never before realized were blessings, like being able to urinate, to sleep on your side, to be able to swallow, to be able to scratch and itch. There's a term that psychologists have coined. It's called the contrast effect. The contrast effect. Simply put, it's how you see anything depends on your reference point. What you might look at as bad, somebody else would say, no, that's, that's good. You've got it good. It's the contrast effect. It's your reference point. Your focus will be determined by your reality. The state of of the University of Buffalo did an experiment where subjects were asked to complete this sentence. Complete this sentence. I'm glad I'm not a blank. And after five repetitions of that exercise, there was a measurable increase in levels of satisfaction. Just by completing the sentence, I'm glad I'm not a blank. <clears throat> Another group of subjects were asked to complete this one. I wish I were a blank. I wish I were. And the net result was a measurable decrease in levels of satisfaction. Because some were glad they weren't something worse and some were wishing they were something better. You know, it's no wonder that right after Paul said the words to the Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. He commanded them, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, Rejoice. Right after that, he said these words in Philippians 4, 8. He said, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Your focus will determine your reality. I will bless the Lord. It's personal. It's purposeful. It's praise. But it's also positional. This is not just motivational speaking. This is not positive mental thinking. This is not pick yourself up by your bootstraps. He didn't just say, I'm going to have a good attitude. He said, I'm going to bless the Lord. Jesus the one who saved me, the one who redeemed me, the one who calls me his own. I'm going to bless the Lord. And I'm going to tell you the real power is not in just comparing how good you've got it to how bad somebody has it. The real power is when you, in the midst of whatever, the good or the bad, you lift your eyes beyond those circumstances, beyond the blessings, beyond the curses, beyond the backside of the needle point, And you say, beyond my understanding, I want to acknowledge him. And you choose to praise the Lord from that place. That's where the real power happens. Because when we glorify God, we invite Him into the equation. He delights in your praises. He shows up in your praises. He inhabits your praises. I'll say it again. God continues to amaze me and surprise me with His goodness. But I don't want to amaze and surprise him with my gratitude. How many of you know we ought to give God praise today? I want to invite you to stand with me all over this room.
It was Corey Ten Boom, who I told about earlier, who said this statement. She said, prayer is powerful. The devil smiles when we make plans. He laughs when we get too busy. But he trembles when we pray. Especially when we pray together. I don't know about you, but I like making the devil nervous. And so at the close of this service, I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. And maybe you're here today and, and uh, you need more than motivating conversation. You need God to step in to a situation and fix it. Maybe you're at a place like Joseph where you've already tried You've already used your own means and your own measures and, and it just, it just didn't measure up. And you need God to, to come through. <clears throat> Maybe you're here today and like David, you think you've got this thing figured out. But He wants to bring you by His Spirit. God wants to bring you to the place where you recognize all your goodness is really His goodness. Everything that you've received has been father filtered and he's working for you and your only appropriate response is to turn with a heart of gratitude and give him praise. So right where you're standing today, I just want to invite you to bow your head with me and close your eyes. And if there's a burden that you're carrying right now, I want to just invite you to lift it up to God. When You don't have to say it out loud, just right where you are, under your breath, in your heart of hearts, God is not intimidated by your honesty. You don't have to pray a flowery prayer. If you're hurt, that's a good way to start. God, I'm hurt. Read the Psalms. That's what David did. He was When he was mad, he was mad. He let God know it. Some of the Psalms, God, David was cursing his enemies. So just talk to him. God wants to hear your heart today. If you're broken, tell him, God, I'm broken. God, I, I, I don't understand. I'm looking at the backside of the needle point of my life and it makes no sense and I'm starting to wonder if you're doing anything on the other side to make it all make sense. Just be honest with God today. The Bible says a broken and a contrite heart God will not despise. He will not cast you away. He loves you too much. He's for you. If you're here today and you you haven't surrendered to God because you don't know how desperate you are maybe you're standing here and and your life's together your stuff is in order and and you think you think it's because of you but today you realize that man God has been better to me than I deserved and I need to give him the praise that he deserves Wherever you're at, whatever posture you find yourself in, let's take about 30 seconds right now. And let's give God thanks. If you need an answer, give God thanks for the fact that He's working even when I can't see it. Father God, today we give you praise. God, we give you praise because you deserve it. You're worthy of it. Lord, and today we make up our minds. It's not a spiritual feeling, it's not an emotion. It's a will. I personally will.
purposefully bless. I will give you praise. The Lord. You are Lord and you'll be nothing else. God, I don't praise you as a wise counselor. I don't praise you as a good teacher. I don't even just praise you as the creator or the maker. I praise you as Lord. You're the leader of my life. And I recognize that you will not take second place. So God, I bow my heart. I bow my life before you today. I praise you. I bless you as the Lord. I trust you, God, that you are working for my good. You're working for the good of those that love you and are called according to your purpose. Today, God, I choose to give you praise. In spite of what I see. Today, God, I choose to give you praise because of what I see. It's all from you. It's for your glory. So God, take my life. Let it be an offering to you. I bless your name, Lord. I bless your name.